Welcome to the Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast, where we tackle the NFL's biggest headlines, break down games, and explore league topics, all through the passionate perspective of a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Get ready for insightful analysis, player spotlights, and more. Whether you bleed green or cheer for another team, I've got your NFL fix right here. So join me. The Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast starts now. Welcome on in, everybody. This is Brian Booth, your host, and we are here. We finally made it. Week one of the regular NFL season is here. What an interesting game we had tonight with the Kansas City Chiefs falling to the Detroit Lions 21-20. to Interesting fact of the game, I thought, <laughs> the Detroit Lions, since the 2021 season, have seven successful fake punts. That is the most in the league in that time. Interesting to see how that team does as the season progresses. Will teams start keying in on the fake? Also, another interesting thing, I honestly thought the, the script read commercial from the NFL was hilarious. <laughs> My favorite part was, you're an actor, Patrick. Act like one. Just the self-awareness of the NFL to poke fun of itself for being quote-unquote scripted was was hilarious to me. Interesting game in the fact that I don't know if the, the Lions so much won it as the Chiefs lost it. A lot of big drops by a lot of different Chiefs players. Travis Kelsey's absence was obviously felt. Chris Jones, although, yes, they could have used him, I don't know if on the defensive side of the ball, if that was the big difference. If you take away the pick six by Brian Branch in the third quarter, I mean, assuming everything else in the game goes exactly as it did, you know, Chiefs win 20-14. to 14. So the defense overall played a, a solid, solid game for the Chiefs. Um, but, man, what a, what a rough day to be a Kansas City wide receiver, especially Kadarius Toney. Man, I saw a stat earlier today. Coming into this season, he had four drops on 77 career targets. As of today, he now has eight drops. Doubled his amount of drops in one game. So eight drops on 88 targets for something like a you know, something 9.2 or 9.5% drop rate. I mean, it was it was insane. If you drafted Kadarius Tony on your fantasy team, I'm sorry. I don't know if he's going to be the guy going forward for you, um, Chiefs fans. Uh, it was pretty rough out there. Other things that, uh, other takeaways from the game, I really thought the Lions play calling was suspect, to say the least. I don't know how else to put it, but uh, going into the half, uh, Lions get the ball on, I believe it was the somewhere between the 10 and 15-yard line in Chiefs territory. They have two timeouts left, roughly 40-ish seconds before the half, and they go three straight plays over the middle for about five yards of play. Have to burn their two timeouts. Then, you know, on third play, they convert. They have to spike the ball, and then they tried to do a couple of deeper shots down the field, but, you know, no one was really getting open 
down there. So it was just just interesting to see kind of how the play calling went. And then coming out of the this uh, coming out of halftime, you know, for the majority of the third quarter and even into the fourth, just the play calling was not not what what uh, you would expect for someone for a team like this who has playmakers. Jared Goff was missing guys in stride. Uh, his receivers also had a couple of drops. Amon Ross St. Brown had a couple. The the running backs, David Montgomery was okay. Jameer Gibbs was kind of a disappointment to me, especially with how much hype he had around him in the draft. Uh, I mean, it wasn't Bijan Robinson level of of hype, but you know he was he was picked in like I think the top twelve or top fifteen, something like that. For a guy taken that high in the draft, I, I expected to see more out of him. I understand he is a rookie, and I also understand it is the first game of the year, but it was uh, not an impressive showing for the running backs part uh, in Jameer Gibbs. I really felt that the Detroit defense really carried the team, especially in the fourth quarter. Chiefs are up 14-7, to and Brian Branch in the third quarter picks off Patrick Mahomes, runs it back for a touchdown. Interesting side note that uh, was mentioned on the broadcast was that was Patrick Mahomes' first interception in season openers versus 20 touchdown passes. So just an insane stat to go 20 and 1 in in season openers, touchdowns to interception ratio. It's uh, that's a pretty insane stat. I got to give it to the Chiefs and to Patrick Mahomes in particular. Uh, at one point there was a stat on on the screen saying that Patrick Mahomes was pressured on 62.5% of his dropbacks and he had zero sacks in the game. At one point, he even had one of the Lions literally straddled between his legs with his arms, the Lions player's arms around his legs trying to drag him down, and he still was able to get the ball out downfield to a receiver. Uh, The athleticism on Patrick Mahomes and just his awareness of where other defensive players are on the field is just next level. Uh, the guy is insane, but obviously came up a little bit short. As I mentioned, Kadarius Tony had four drops. Just just a really rough day for him. I think he finished the day with like one yard receiving. Just really rough. My game ball for the defense for the Lions goes to Brian Branch. He had the pick six. He got a little banged up later in the game. Hope he turns out okay. I uh, don't recall them saying what what exactly was wrong with him, but I don't think he came back. On the offensive side of the ball, my game ball goes to Josh Reynolds, without which I don't know if the Lions win this game either. Josh Reynolds caught a big third and 12 conversion. I think he got about 16, 17 yards, something like that. And then a couple plays later had a big 33-yard catch. So in two catches, he basically gets them most of the way down the field. And then uh, David Montgomery broke two tackles, rumbling his way in for the game, tying touchdown. And then they uh, obviously converted the, the PAT to go up 21-20 to late in the fourth. One other interesting stat, and Isaiah Pacheco was another one of my players to watch for the Chiefs and was pretty disappointed in him. Patrick Mahomes was the leading Kansas City rusher today, and he had 45 yards. Patrick Mahomes is mobile 
He's pretty athletic, but I wouldn't consider him a rushing quarterback, though. Like, you look at the Lamar Jacksons or the Jalen Hurtses of the world. Heck, even Josh Allen, you know, they have offenses that are designed to have those quarterbacks run the ball. Patrick Mahomes really, the Chiefs offense is not centered around Patrick Mahomes running the ball on a consistent basis. Yes, he's athletic enough, he can make guys miss, but usually he's making guys miss with his eyes downfield making a play, just honestly waiting for Travis to get open, which usually is fairly regularly. To to have him as your leading rusher uh, on a season opener was, was pretty disappointing for the Chiefs specialists. Coming back to the Lions play calling, they missed a fourth and two conversion. I kind of get why they went for it. They were kind of right there in the middle of the field. You know, a punt probably would have gotten, you know, a touchback. They didn't want to go for it. I think they were down at the time. I can't remember. But a fourth and two, and instead of doing like a quick slant or, you know, a quick three yard out or something like that watching the replay all the lions receivers were 10 12 even 15 yards down the field and they were just completely covered up i just don't i don't understand the play call why they would go for it like that and they had an incomplete pass and turnover on downs luckily chiefs had plenty of mental mistakes themselves Uh, they had several penalties several incompletions it will be interesting to see What happens with Jawan Taylor and where he's lining up on the line of scrimmage or not lining up on the line of scrimmage as it was today? Uh, I'll give props to Aiden Hutchinson. He battled, man. He didn't get a sack, but he was really close a couple of times, and he did get a couple of hits on Patrick Mahomes. But, uh, geez, Jawan Taylor, he was lined up practically in the backfield, and the referee, John Hussey, Apparently, I saw this on Reddit today too, has only called two illegal formation penalties in the past two seasons. Once last year, once the year before. So the conspiracy theorists on Reddit were debating whether or not the Chiefs were aware of this and if they told him to line up like that just to to help him with, with the protection on Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't put it past Andy Reid. He's a really smart guy. And... Here's the thing. If the refs don't throw the flag, it's not a penalty. That's just how it goes in the league. But I will be interested to see if the league makes that a focus in other games going forward. So being a season opener, I'm wondering if they were a little more lax or if it was just a tendency that the Chiefs were aware of and uh, took full advantage of going into the game. Well, we've come to the point of the show where we're going to break down the Eagles game this week. They're playing the Patriots in Foxborough. It is the Sunday afternoon game on CBS. Uh, really excited for this game. Patriots should be really fired up. It is Tom Brady night, so they will be honoring him. I would expect, I don't know if they've announced it, but I would expect them to retire Tom Brady's 12 there in, in Foxborough. Would be really interested to see how how fired up the Patriots come out and if this motivates them anymore to play against one of the best NFC teams out there. Patriots and the Eagles kind of have, have had some interesting games in the past. Obviously, most recently, Super Bowl 52 was a big one. Super Bowl 39 was a big one. And then going back to the Chip Kelly years, Eagles with 
Sam Bradford as their quarterback went into Foxborough and won. Uh, ended up costing the the Patriots the number one seed, and uh, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly, I believe that was the year the Broncos ended up winning the Super Bowl. So if the the Patriots had won that game and had the number one seed, would have been interesting to see how that season turned out. Players of the game that I'm uh, expecting or that I'm excited to watch on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles. I'm really excited to see how DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny play in the backfield, how evenly reps get split among the two. I, I'm really expecting DeAndre Swift to be in more passing downs. And then maybe on the short game, let's see how, how Penny's running up the middle pays off. Both, both of these guys have had some injury history in the past. But neither have played with an offensive line like the Eagles in the past either. So how will these guys hold out for an entire season? Number one, splitting reps. And number two, playing behind one of the best offensive lines in football. Another player on the offense I'm really interested to see is Quez Watkins. Quez, nice of a guy as he is, struggled a lot last year. Most notably, he had the drop in the Super Bowl. There was also the Christmas Eve game against the Dallas Cowboys where he had two passes that he either fumbled or deflected into the hands of a of a Dallas Cowboys defender. I mean, basically, he caught the ball and twice they would rip it out of his hands. Just complete disrespect from the Cowboys defenders against Quez Watkins and Quez has got to hold on to the ball more, but it'll be interesting to see if he's able to bounce back this season and uh, how he's able to respond to some criticism he's had from the fans this year. Uh, He has responded out to a few people that he's going to make the fans, and I will uh, paraphrase this for the sake of the show, but says he's going to make the fans eat every word of what they've said about him. And I honestly hope he does. He's He's a good guy. He's a good team player. And uh, I think he's kind of accepted his role within the offense, especially behind A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. But the, the Eagles don't need him to carry the offense. We do need him to contribute to the offense. So if he's able to have two or three catches a game for 30, 40, 50 yards even, and uh, you know the occasional big play down the field, the occasional touchdown, we don't need him to be the star of the show, but we do need him to be included in the show. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. On the defensive side of the ball, I am really excited to see how these Georgia Bulldogs end up playing, specifically Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis last year, I really feel at the beginning of the year, obviously in the first game against Detroit, he was clearly gassed and out of shape. But as the season progressed, he never got a sack, but he was right there a couple of times. There were several where he did end up getting a quarterback hit as the quarterbacks were throwing as he as he's basically grabbing them. So no official sacks, but uh, was great against the run. The Eagles really struggled the couple of games that he missed where they brought in Robert Quinn, they brought in Linval Joseph and the Dominican Sioux. And honestly, I think the injury that Jordan Davis suffered last year, I don't know if he ever got fully healthy. 
He just didn't seem to hit that same kind of groove that he had towards the beginning of the year. But again, he was also playing behind Fletcher Cox, Nagadama Kung Su, and Linval Joseph. I mean, those guys are going to play. They're great players, veterans, been in the league a long time, got the stats to prove that they still got it. So I understand why, towards the end of the year, Jordan Davis's production fell off a cliff. But that being said, he is listed as the starter. Jalen Carter is listed as his direct backup. How will the Eagles' rotation work? Will they ever have both Jordan and Jalen Carter on the field at the same time? It'll be interesting to see how that happens, and I'm really excited to see these, uh, these young guys step up. Another player on the defensive side of the ball that I'm really interested to see how he does is Terrell Edmonds. He was brought in to be one of the starting safeties. He is technically starting this week, but honestly had some struggles in camp this year. Was not super impressive, and you know the Eagles kind of played him in a bunch of different spots. I don't know if that was just because they wanted to see how he would do in different spots or just because some other guys in some other spots were also struggling. I know James Bradbury was also taking some reps at the uh, at the nickel corner spot, especially since uh, Avante Maddox's toe injury seems to be lingering on as well. So it'll be interesting to see how how Edmonds does. And, uh, you know, if he gets burned a couple times in coverage, how much leeway is the team going to give him? They've got Justin Evans listed as his direct backup. The Eagles spent a third-round pick on Sidney Brown as a safety this year. Reed Blankenship is obviously not going anywhere. He's had a really strong camp. He actually led the Eagles in interceptions with, uh, I think, five interceptions during the summer. So he's not going anywhere. So... When does Sidney Brown come in to replace Terrell Edmonds? Are there different packages where Edmonds will be out and Brown is in? Or will they do, they have done this in, in camp as they've gone to some three safety looks. So what does that rotation look like? It will be interesting to see. And then special teams. Really interested to see how Aaron Sipos does. I was reading an, an article uh, about Aaron Sipos, and he's guaranteed... One week, that's this week. Nothing else beyond Sunday is guaranteed for him. He's currently on the practice squad, so he can theoretically have up to three weeks where he can put his best foot forward, so to speak. But man, he's really got to show us something because he has not been impressive in camp. Unfortunately, with Ty Zentner, it seemed to be kind of a race to the bottom and both our punters that we had in camp ended up getting cut, including Aaron Sipos. But obviously, as I mentioned, he got brought back on the practice squad. So let's see how he does uh, this week. Uh, again, nothing is guaranteed past Sunday. We'll see how he does this week and then up to two more weeks. And then the Eagles got to decide to either cut him loose and bring in someone else or to uh, sign him to the 53-man roster. So we will see what happens there. And then with the punt return, too, and I mentioned this the other day, the punt return unit as a whole last year did not impress. Britton Covey, being a University of Utah fan, growing up in Utah my whole life, I watched Britton Covey. I watched a lot of Britton Covey games at Utah, and I was pretty excited when the Eagles picked him up last year, but 
I think he had maybe two decent returns towards the end of the year, but mostly he took a lot of fair catches. And there were a couple where he didn't take a fair catch, where he just got lit up because the blocking was so bad on our punt return last year. So it will be interesting to see how the Eagles handle the punt return blocking. And I think right now it's Alameda Zacchaeus listed as the number one punt returner. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Hopefully we can get uh, get something going there because the results last year were not good enough. And I think it definitely cost us in the Super Bowl where we were not able to win the field position battle. That's unacceptable on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Granted, we got to take this one week at a time, but this week, special teams is my number one concern and my number one thing to watch this week. For the Patriots, um, players to watch, Mac Jones. Um, But really, it's more of a combination of Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. Not going to sugarcoat this. Mac Jones regressed last year. But he also had a former defensive coordinator as his offensive coordinator and play caller. Really, you can't expect much more from Mac than uh, what was put out there last year. I think he did the best he could, but Matt Patricia did no favors to Mac Jones and his progression as a young player. He kind of called the team out for it and... It's kind of on the naughty list for for Bill Belichick. So we'll see how how he does with an actual offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien. You know, for all his faults as a general manager in Houston, Bill O'Brien was actually a pretty decent coach. He took a Houston Texans team that was historically not very good. Gary Kubiak took him to the playoffs a couple times, but had, had his struggles there. Bill O'Brien came in, and they won their division more often than not and won some some meaningful playoff games. So he has, he, he has the ability to call a good game plan, to call a really strong and effective offense with Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, those are two fantastic players. Now we get to see how fantastic a player Mac Jones will be. So let's see how that goes. Another player to watch, and this is on the offensive side of the ball, Juju Smith-Schuster. He had a big play in the Super Bowl last year. Got James Bradbury caught on a holding call towards the end of the game. And uh, he talked a little bit of smack. Let's just call it how it is. He talked smack during the offseason and uh, had some back and forth between some Eagles defenders and himself. So seeing how that dynamic plays out during the course of a game where he doesn't have a Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. Let's see how he does. One other, this is more of a position group than a single player, but the Patriots' corners, Jonathan Jones and Christian Gonzalez, I am really interested to see how they hold up in coverage against two of the league's premier wide receiver weapons in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Both players set separate Eagles team records last year. A.J. Brown set the record for most yards by an Eagles receiver. Devontae Smith set the record for most receptions by an Eagles wide receiver. Both had over 1,000 yards. A.J. 
was a pro bowler. Devontae Smith wasn't, but probably should have been. Both number one receivers on, on any team in the NFL, and the Eagles are lucky to have two. So the, that battle between the, the Eagles wide receivers and the Patriots secondary will be an interesting one. Other league news to cover today, Joe Burrow signed a five-year $275 million extension. Holy cow. $219 million, over $219 million in fully guaranteed money. It'll be interesting to see how this, uh, how this contract breaks out year over year. This officially makes Joe Burrow the highest paid player in NFL history. Glad the Eagles were able to get Jalen Hurts done earlier in the summer. And it'll be interesting to see how Joe Burrow's contract stacks up to the Jalen Hurts contract. Just because Jalen Hurts was so team-friendly, especially in the early years, I think Jalen Hurts counts for, I think, about $6 million against the salary cap this year. I think about 10 to 12 million next year doesn't even hit 30 million dollars against the cap until like the third or fourth year of the extension and he still has one year left on his original rookie deal so we're looking at three or four more years of really affordable quarterback play from Jalen Hurts the last I think two years of that deal it's really backloaded they're going to be like 80 some odd million dollars but I would fully expect the Eagles, by the time that comes around, that they will probably offer him an extension and reorganize how some of this money or reallocate how some of this money is going to be paid out into signing bonuses and guaranteed money in in extended years down the road. So we'll see how it goes. But Jalen Hurts' contract, for one of these big money quarterback contracts for all the other guys who have gotten paid big bucks this year. As far as I'm aware, Jalen Hurts is definitely the most team-friendly deal at the moment. But congratulations to Joe Burrow. You know, anytime these guys can get paid, I am all for it. These guys are putting their their lives and their their livelihood on the line and uh, deserve to get paid this much money. So congratulations to him. For today's Reddit topic, we're gonna talk, we're gonna bring it back to tonight's game. Chiefs Lions and this was posted by user Pat's Freak 27 and the question he asks is who had a bigger impact tonight Kelsey Chris Jones or Tony all of these players absent or not made a huge impact on tonight's outcome who had the biggest difference that's uh, some weird grammar there point number one It was clear watching the game that Kelsey would have made a huge difference for Mahomes. Point number two, Chris Jones's presence on the defensive line would have massively helped the Chiefs run defense against a run-heavy Lions team. And point number three, Kadarius Toney's drops cost the Chiefs seven points and at least two first downs. What are your thoughts? Here's my thoughts. I think of the three... The absence of Travis Kelsey was the biggest difference in this game. Travis Kelsey is without a doubt one of the best offensive weapons in the league. Has been for a long time. I think he has like something about seven straight seasons of over a thousand yards receiving. I think the difference comes from Kelsey being gone to now puts more pressure on Kadarius Toney and more of a focus on Kadarius Toney, especially with the absence of Juju Smith-Schuster, who 
as we mentioned, went on to the Patriots this year. I just don't know if Kadarius Toney was expecting Travis Kelsey to play. I don't know if he was expecting to have this much of a focus in the offense, but absolutely did not rise to the occasion. But had Travis Kelsey been in the lineup and been healthy, how much of a difference would have Kadarius Toney have even made, really? Chris Jones' absence, obviously anytime you're missing a player of Chris Jones's caliber, is going to be impactful. However, as I mentioned previously, I don't feel the Lions running attack other than one drive at the end of the game was really all that impressive. Jameer Gibbs was only in about 27% of their total snaps for the game, and David Montgomery had something like 73, 72% of snaps. Like I said, neither were particularly impressive, but... I don't know if having Chris Jones on the defensive line really cost them the game as much as Travis Kelsey not being in the game and having to rely on Kadarius Toney and him having such a nightmare of a game. I think that's where the difference comes. The defense, let's not forget, the Kansas City Chiefs defense only allowed 14 points. The Chiefs offense scored 20. The Chiefs' offense also gave the Detroit Lions seven points. That's the difference in the game. The Chiefs' defense played well enough to win the game, even without Chris Jones. So, uh, to me, Travis Kelsey, by far, his absence had the biggest impact on the game. But what are your thoughts? Let me know. Connect with me over on our Facebook page, Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast. And uh, thank you to everyone who has been listening to these these episodes. I'm excited to uh, continue to bring these to you. Next week, I will be out of town and will not have time to record a, an episode for Monday. So I will not have another new episode until next Friday after Thursday Night Football. But yeah, look forward to seeing you guys then. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on your preferred podcast platforms. Give us a rating and subscription if you would. It helps us to spread to other people. And then share this podcast with your friends. I want to extend my heartfelt gratitude to all you passionate football fans for joining me on the Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast. Your support and enthusiasm drive me to keep bringing you the best of NFL analysis and spirited discussions. A special thank you goes out to Josh Hansen, Spencer Myers, and KP Brown. If you've enjoyed our deep dives into the NFL action and headlines, please take a moment to show your love by rating and subscribing to the Green Feathers Gridiron podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Your feedback and subscriptions mean the world to me. But wait, don't keep this podcast gold all to yourself. Share it with your friends and fellow football fans who crave the same insightful conversations that you do. Together, we can build a community of fans that live and breathe the NFL. So as we wrap up this episode, remember to rate, subscribe, and share. Your involvement is key to helping this podcast reach even more fans like you. And until next time, I will see you on the road to victory.